Welcome to Women of the Wild, where education and opportunities are key, and friendships are made to last a lifetime. You think we got him? You think we got him? We got him. You said that yesterday. All right, Skylar, what do we got here? We got a nice looking red Yeah. Women of the Wild podcast. I am your host, Linda White, and today I have one of our team members with us, which is Megan Amershack. How you doing, Megan? How are you today? I'm good, Linda. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's cold. I'm in New York, and I am looking at all of this snow on the ground, and I'm freezing. So that's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's really how I'm doing, if you want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, here. It's right now, it's probably in the mid 40s it's actually the warmest weather we've had all week which is really nice oh man yeah i i want 40 weather so where for those that don't know you or haven't haven't seen you yet really with women of the wild because you're you're our newest you're our fresh blood basically Mm -hmm. um where are you from how did you get involved in the outdoors you know kind of tell us a little bit about yourself Okay, so I live in southeast Kansas, um, a little town called Pittsburgh, Kansas. It's mainly well known for uh, Pitt State University. It's a D2 college we have here. It's more like whenever you're getting into the hunting industry, it's known for whitetail um, and duck hunting. We have one of the largest... uh, uh, public land wildlife areas for duck hunting here um, called the Neosho Wildlife Refuge. Um, Lots of people from down south and even here come and go duck hunting here. So it's kind of a big thing. Um, So I'm in the in the far eastern corner, southeastern corner. So I'm literally 10 miles from Missouri, 30 miles from Oklahoma, and about 40 miles from Arkansas. (laughs) So holy cow. Yeah, so this is kind of the, the, they call it the four corners um, of the area. So it's kind of, um, I can get anywhere I want to um, that I'm interested in going. Um, so um, as far as getting into hunting, um, I grew up in Texas. I was born and raised in Texas until I was 13. Um, I wasn't a hunter. My dad quail hunted, um, but he was a big uh, bass fisherman. So we would go do fishing tournaments in Texas. Uh, we'd go to Oklahoma. We'd go to New Mexico. So growing up, I was big into fishing with my dad. So I've always enjoyed the outdoors, but I never got into hunting. Because um, when I started getting older, my dad got out of the quail hunting, and he his main focus was fishing. So growing up, that's what I did. Um, so I moved here when I to southeast Kansas when I was 13. My parents bought 80 acres, beautiful farm, still didn't get into hunting. (laughs) We had fishing all around us, so I stuck with fishing. Um, And then lo and behold, um, the school I went to, there was a lot of people that hunted um, and they duck hunted and stuff. But again, I never got into it. So lo and behold, I meet uh, one of my best, my best friend from high school introduced me to her brother. And her brother, who is now my husband, um, is the one who got me into hunting. So um, he had been doing it. He's seven years older than me. 
he has been hunting and fishing and all that stuff since he was like eight. So he had so much experience and he wanted to take me one time to go deer hunting with him. And I was super excited about that, but I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and he's a big bow hunter. So I was, I was showing interest in it. We, I went and sat with him a couple times just to sit and see what was like, what's the hype of deer hunting. And I, um, I immediately was like interested in the bow part of it. Like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to hunt or if I just wanted to shoot archery. Um, and so he got me a little Hoyt ruckus, which is like a youth model, cheap bow, you know, just, we were like, both agreed that if I was going to try this out, we weren't going to go all in and get me like a (laughs) super expensive high, you know, high end bow. Um, so start shooting this bow over the summer um got pretty good at it um so we started setting up things at my parents and did trail cameras put out stuff to get some deer on camera and he goes I want you to shoot a doe right off the bat just so you can experience that first before we think about you trying to buck because if you don't like it then I'd rather you do that with a doe than you know a buck so I was like, okay, I can do that. Um, I had this doe on camera who had a floppy ear. So I called uh-huh. her, naturally called her floppy doe. And <laughs> we sat there probably the first few times and never saw her. And I was just bound and determined that I was going to shoot this doe. Mm-hmm. And um, one day I'm sitting there with Justin and she comes out and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take her. And so I ended up making a perfect shot on her. And was instantly hooked at that point. Oh, um, so he sat down with me and we looked, started getting bucks on camera. And I'm like, okay. Now he's like, you need, I would like for you to pick something that would make you happy. I don't care what size it is. It's your first year. Like what, whatever on this camera is going to make you happy. It was our first didn't know what to even expect up there. So I picked out this really old seven pointer that my neighbors had on camera before I moved here okay and when he was a young young guy so this deer is probably 10 years old (laughs) he was really old um he had a broken nose um his he had scars all down his back he had an underbite absolutely probably the ugliest buck that I've ever had on camera but I got I gotta ask did he say to you was he like are you sure that's the buck you want like was he (laughs) He questioning your decisions there yeah he was very intrigued by my choice (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he's like okay well you can yeah if that's the one you want so I ended up call, calling this buck lucky look I called him lucky number seven okay and uh me and this buck went all like after I shot the doe Justin sat with me maybe twice and then after that I took off with it I was you don't have to sit with me I can do this like I if I feel like I need your support I'll ask for it but I, I really want to try to do this on my own So lo and behold, we're getting a little later into season. I maybe saw Lucky one one time in person. I had him on camera. This deer's been living here. Um, And he's just a bully buck. You know, he's 10 years old. He's pushes around all the other nice mature deer that are in there. He's just a bully buck. And I ended up moving, popping up a ground blind in a different spot because I'd got him on camera on the other side of the 80 acres. Okay. And then like over time we figure out this is kind of the trail the deer take to get to the backside of my parents' place. And I ended up getting him in front of me at 20 yards. Well, I ended up drawing back and missing, completely missing this uh-huh. deer. And like, yeah. It was so frustrating. I thought I hit him, but come to find out he was fine. Um, a week later, my neighbor, I guess, got him on camera and I had him back on camera at the other end where I first originally had him. And so I, Justin was like, look, I don't want you being frustrated. This is your first year. So we ended up borrowing a crossbow from a friend. Um, he goes, I want you to go in there and I want you to try to get him with this because I don't want you frustrated. It's your first year. You know, you've already missed once. Like, I don't want that to happening to you. And I'm like, okay. So it gets me the crossbow. I practiced with it. I went in by myself. Um, it was a weird night. It was super windy and up in my parents, the wind, the deer do not want to move. They want to stay in the trees as much as possible. 
you're super skittish. Mm-hmm. Well, it just so happened this night, it was like a blood moon. It was super bright, you know, just like even at like whenever it's the last 30 minutes of legal shooting, like it was so bright out. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden this buck is walking across the dam, which is where I, I hunt on a pinch point. And um, they have to cross there to get to the other side of the pits. Um, and I saw this buck and I was so excited. I realized it was lucky right off the bat. Ended up, he gave me a perfect uh, quarter to way shot. Um, I was able to place it on him. Well, just so happened when I shot him, I had night class that night in, at college. So I had to show up to night class in my camo. It was like, I need to leave. I have a buck <laughs> that has fallen down the strip pit into the water that I need to go get. And my professor was like, oh, there's nothing going on. You can totally go. <laughs> I'm like, great. So I drove all the way to Pitt State in my camo just to leave class. And I was like, I, I, I need to go get this deer. And he was totally okay with with it. So we ended up going and getting him. He had fallen down the strip pit wall into the water and it's steep. So we were like, how are we going to get this buck out of here? Well, when we ended up finally putting a rope down there and hauling him out, he had one side and a brow tie. Uh. I told Justin, I said, I swear he had two antlers. He had two antlers. And he goes, He's down there in the cold water. It's late November. He's putting his hands in the mud trying to find this antler. Well, lo and behold, a week later, my neighbor sent me a picture of him. He had busted off his left side, and I thought he had it. And, and so Justin was searching through the mud and water for no antler. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I'm so sorry. So, um, yeah, so he that was the first time I got hooked on and I just ever since then have taken off with it. Um, but that was kind of the point where I decided I really like this. I yeah. like the challenge. So, um, but it was, I, that year was definitely a good year. I got introduced to duck hunting, duck and goose hunting that year. Um, I got to turkey hunt with him. Um, we started traveling down to my grandparents in Texas and dove hunting. Um, oh, wow. So we go down there every year and go dove hunting. So you just like jumped all in. You were like, oh, I'm going to go hunting. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to hunt everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I definitely, I definitely have um, dabbled in a little bit of everything. And I, I will say white tail is definitely my top. If I were to have to pick like which out of everything I've been doing, which one do I prefer? Um, White tail hunting just has been the top for me. Um, now, have you hunted, um, have you hunted deer with a gun or are you strictly doing bow? Um, so I did harvest one buck with a gun and it was my biggest typical buck to date. Um, it was not this year's, but last year's, but, uh-huh. um, I got featured on the outdoor channel with him, uh, Mr. Wow. Big. Um, he was, he's a nice deer and what ended up happening was all season I pulled, I was hunting with my bow, my Matthews and all season I pulled back twice on this buck and he would not give me a shot opportunity. And I finally, it was the last day, the last day of rifle season. I had hung this stand incorrectly (laughs) in this area um, where I was hunting was in the, like the, a gorge kind of situation where the deer, if they were to walk um, to the uh, North of me, Okay. And I was standing up and spot me. They were way above eye level with me. So, and just so happens the does for some reason wanted to walk that ridge to go to the other side of my parents' property. Well, if I'm standing there, they kept blowing at me and, you know, they would just see me and spot me out. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know how. And I hung the stand face on to where my shooting lane was. So there was no way to turn to be able to pull back my bow. Yeah. And I was like, okay. The day before I had work, I went, I was sitting at home or at work and I was like, I don't know if I want to use my sick leave to go ahead and leave to go hunt. It was 70 degrees in December. Oh, wow. It was like it was a hot, weird day. Like I'm like, nobody's going to, no buck's going to show up on camera. And I had a tactic him. I get home and I get a ding and I look and sure enough, 
He's in daylight sitting in front of my stand in 70 degree weather. And I'm like, I should have went and hunted. Yeah. Well, that was on a Friday night. So I told Justin, I said, I'm going to go hunt Saturday morning. It's the last day rifle season. I'm going to take the, our six, six millimeter out there. I'm going to try if he comes in great. It was so windy (laughs) that morning. I was like, nothing is going to move, but it was good cover for me to get in there because I'm in almost close to the bedding area on my, he was bedding literally right behind my parents' house. We, I would go out on the deck after hunting and talking to my parents and he's out there eating in the backyard with his does, you know, just hanging out. I'm like, really, (laughs) you know, I've seen you, I don't know how many times on, on hoof. And I've never got a chance that, to even try to make a successful shot. Mm-hmm. And so I made the bold move, the move that stand closer to him. And like I said, I, I moved it wrong. Like how I had it set up was incorrect for bow hunting. But um, that morning I get in there, it's super windy. It was thankfully it covered me walking in because it's loud going through there trying to be quiet. And I sit there in legal shooting light. It starts. The sun's coming up and then the wind just stops completely. And I can hear everything just walking around me. All the deer that were probably walking around me the whole time. I could hear them. Well, I had four or five does come in, a a spike, a half rack that I've had all year. And all of a sudden they just run and spook out. And And I'm like, that's so weird. And all of a sudden you just hear crunching and antlers hitting trees and I looked down and there's Mr. Big right in front of me. He was there the night before he showed up this morning. I, I think it took me five seconds to shoot him. <laughs> I was like, that's him. I'm doing it. And, <laughs> um, I shot him and I didn't hear him crash. Well, come find out. I get out of my stand and he had died 20 yards behind my stand oh, wow. and I'm crying. I'm FaceTiming Justin. He had taken his, uh, my sister-in-law, his little sister duck hunting because we were getting her started into some of the hunting stuff. And um, I FaceTimed and he goes, you did it. I was like, I did it. Like <laughs> freaking out the biggest buck today. Um, I called uh, Jeff Barron and I'm like, I did it. I shot him. I got him. And he was him and Hannah were super excited because they were going to come help me track him if I shot him because they hunt like 10 miles down the road for me. And they were in town. And I was like, I called him. I was like, wait where are you guys at? We're snowstormed in, in Nebraska. And I'm like, (laughs) so so it was, but it was a good time. Um, one of our best friends, Ricky Keller, he, uh, takes pictures for like Beretta Mojo, stuff like that. Like he's super cool. Really good, really great photographer and a great friend. Um, we ended up, I ended up calling him and he came out and took my pictures and all this stuff. And it was just, it, it was a great fun experience because that was, of deer that I had challenged myself all season to try and harvest. And I was biggest typical buck um, that I've shot at my parents. I've had plenty of opportunities at great size deer, but he was, he was one that all season, I was like, I want him. I want to go for him. And I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get a chance, even though I saw him all the time. It was just one of those stories. I was like, he's going to outsmart me every single time that I end up hunting him. So but yeah, it was, that's a great I, that, story. Yeah. So that's the only one I've shot with a rifle. Everything else has been. Bow. That's cool. That's cool. So I have never bow hunted. Um, Megan, who actually Megan Lockwood on our on our team, she gave me one of her old bows because I'm like, yeah. I want to do this. I want to try this. Um, and she's she's an avid bow hunter. So yeah. I was like, all right, Megan, you got to teach me. But now I have two Megans to teach me. It's like the yeah. Megan team. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Your, your story, I don't know if you know um, about my background, but your story is very similar to mine about like my dad was big into fishing. Um, I hunted one time, shot a squirrel, made him bury it in the backyard. So I never like hunted after that. And yeah, so that's really kind of cool. Like we have a lot of definite things in in common there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, have you have you ever tried trapping? I gotta ask because Kansas is like trapping paradise. No, I haven't. I haven't done trapping. That's something I talked to Justin about because Justin Justin's a trapper. 
he likes trapping. That's something he grew up doing. They used to, you know, back whenever he was um, younger, they used to sell fur around here quite a bit. And it was, you oh, know, yeah. the market was up. Mm-hmm. Well, when that market dropped here, lots of people quit trapping. It's kind of been, it's a, a hobby sport, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're, you know, yeah. but it's something that a lot of people don't do around here as much anymore. Um, I know, I know. And it, the crazy thing is, is like, so like, obviously I'm a trapper, you know, that's my thing, mm-hmm. but Kansas is like the, the pinnacle of trapping. Like if you ever mm-hmm. want to, if you ever want to like put up some good numbers of coyotes and stuff, Kansas mm-hmm. is where it's at. So if you ever decide you want to get into trapping and you want a friend to come along, I have no problem coming to Kansas. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, we got some great ground, um, to trap on. We, so my husband works for a guy that has 10,000 acres of private hunting ground. Oh, that's fantastic. And one of the, there's four or five private duck marshes and they're out by the Neosha river. So it's, a great place for coyotes like there's coyotes there all the time yeah Um, we had a um justin said we had a melanistic coyote out there all black one yeah Um, so that was really cool because you don't see those very often and he thought it was a like a black german shepherd and that longer he he finally got his binoculars and looked he goes no we have a black coyote out there and for the longest time we thought about oh are we gonna what are we gonna do with that like is that even (laughs) And we never saw him again. We maybe saw him three or four times. And Justin's like, I haven't seen him in forever, but we, um, there's lots of coyote opportunity out there. Um, we still have the guys who run the greyhounds here, oh, um, yeah. mm-hmm. the greyhounds with the coyotes and stuff like that. Um, you'll see a lot of them around here, but, um, yeah, trapping has kind of, people aren't interested anymore because of the fur market and they, right. and then once they got out of that, they just never got back into it. And yeah. I told Justin, I'd love to learn how to do it. Um, it's, I, I especially want to try my hand at the beavers. <laughs> oh yeah. I know Megan Lockwood is really into the, uh, aquatic trapping. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, my husband actually is a, he, we go really well hand in hand together because he's a huge water mm-hmm. trapper and I don't like mm-hmm. to get wet. So mm-hmm. not my thing. Um, but, but, um, I'm big into the land trapping. So we go, we go hand in hand together. And like when Megan, it's awesome whenever her and I do like, um, the women's workshops because I'll do the land part and she'll do the water part and it makes a pretty good pair. So that's good. Yeah. 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 It works out well. So I got to ask, how did you stumble on women of the wild and how did that all come about? Because I got to say you are. You're a great addition to the team. I love having somebody who's not in Michigan. I always mm-hmm. pick on Cass and Felicia about that. I'm like, everybody's in Michigan. So yeah. it's nice to like have somebody out West, you know? And so how did you even get involved with Women in the Wild? How did that even happen? Okay. So me, it was kind of a funny situation. So me and Felicia were in a group together, a different group of okay. not Women of the Wild, but we were in a different group together and we were the only girls <laughs> in this whole group of men. Um, and it was a, it was a good group. It was a good stepping stone into getting to know kind of what the social media part of the hunting industry was. Cause yeah. girl, you know, starting out, I didn't film my hunts. I didn't do in, in any documentation or other than some pictures. And right. um, so Felicia and I, we're in this group together and uh let me say she's a hard worker <laughs> she's she was she was carrying a lot of us because how hard and hard she works but on top of that she was trying to create the women of the wild group and making it stronger and stuff like that yeah. and so i had been following women of the wild for quite some time but um she was just starting to build it up and it was just michigan based at the time and um me and her became friends. We had been friends for four years or so, and we never met in person. We always run group calls together, stuff like that. We really jive together. Um, and then, uh, one day her and another girl were coming down here to do a hunt in Texas and they ended up making a halfway pit stop at my house and we finally got to meet each other in person you know four or five years down the road of never seeing each other in person um and then 
I've ever since then, me and her were like, okay, we, we are really good friends outside of, you know, the social media aspect. Um, we, you know, we've really jived together and, um, me and her talked a lot about, you know, some of the, my passions, you know, even though like Justin got me into the outdoors and now that I'm hooked on it, my whole mission, uh, something I was passionate about was getting kids and women into the outdoors. So I ended up, you know, getting a, a young man on his first buck on my parents' place. And then I ended up taking one of my best friends and getting her, she did her apprenticeship for me. Um, and wow. I took her deer hunting and got her her first buck. And now she's taken off with it and she's doing her thing. Um, and then I took a young, a, another girl who's around my age that we met on a live on TikTok <laughs> um, for odd reasons. I don't know why I jumped on that live, but she was on the live too. And she was asking about turkey hunting in Kansas. And I was like, and she said, I'm from Kansas city. And I'm like, that's only an hour away from me. So we ended up uh, meeting up and we didn't get her her first turkey, but she got to learn how to turkey hunt, the experience of it. We're going to try again this year to get her her first bird. Um, hopefully it pans out better. Last year was a little rough uh, for turkeys, um, but Felicia was kind of interested that I was already doing that. And yeah. so that's kind of how I stumbled into Women of the Wild because we already met in a group. We were already kind of friends. And then we kind of built on that. And then she figured out like what I like doing and what I had been doing already. And that's kind of how I got gripped into it. So, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So it's great that, I think that it's awesome that social media can be a, can be a good thing and a bad thing. You know, you've got your, your keyboard warriors out there who, oh, yeah. you know, if, if they were ever standing face to face with you would never say half the stuff, but yet, you know, that keyboard that gives them that almighty power. But mm -hmm. then you have things like this, where you're connecting with like-minded people who probably you would have never met. You would have never had the opportunity to meet. Um, you know, it, it. the funny thing is, is my two best friends, actually, if it wasn't for social media, I would have never, ever met them. Yeah. And I just love hearing that. Like, I love hearing how women are inspired by other women, how women are getting out and trying new things and doing new things, you know, because they stumbled on your Facebook page or they connected in a group or something and you had the right information to give them. And that's so awesome. I think mm -hmm. that's so great. And I love that that's that you're a part of the team because that's really what we're all about is is getting women out there doing things that maybe a they haven't had the the chance to do or b they just haven't had someone to to show them, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. And I think it's fantastic. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So you were recently on a Women of the Wild hunt, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I was on the Sandhill Crane Hunt in Lubbock. A so how did ago. that go? Tell us a little bit about that one. Okay. So it was, it was awesome. So where, where we hunted at, I mean, I grew up an hour from Lubbock growing mm -hmm. up. So like, it felt like home going back there. Um, I had family who went to Texas Tech University. It's all in Lubbock. Texas um, so it was good to go back and experience the the Texas uh, environment um, I was super excited about that you know we did the the first day we were down there we did a goose hunt which I you know we goose hunt up here but it was such a fun experience because down there in Texas in that area you know you only get so many places with water right um, it's a very dry climate there's you know you get only so much opportunity to hunt over water there Mm -hmm. And I think that it made it such a stellar hunt because we ended up at one point we were sitting there, we had, I think 15 birds left to go on this goose hunt. We were almost at a 11 <laughs> woman limit of birds. And all of a sudden we look up and there's 500 geese trying to work in on this playa lake. And it was so loud. Like I was telling um, my friends and everybody, I was like, I've never been on a, they call it a banger hunt where you're like done and like a short amount of time because they yeah. birds just so great um I had never been on a banger hunt and this was kind of my first taste at what a banger hunt looked like because when those birds were wanting to come in for water they were coming in <laughs> like, yeah. like there was no second guessing they weren't flaring they were committing and I look over at Felicia and I'm like we're gonna have to call the shot because 
<laughs> we only need what 13 birds left to go and we got 500 coming in right now like and it was just a swarm of birds and it was it was such a fun experience to be a you know goose hunting here I you know we goose hunt some ponds and stuff like that so I may you know get a chance to shoot at five or six geese that yeah and it was such a great experience to see 500 geese work right. instead of just the five you know and um so that was a great experience and then um then we ended up the last two days doing the crane hunt um but it was very it was educational for me because I've never done cranes so I didn't yeah. know yeah you know you you shoot them in the back end or you shoot them in the head versus where a duck you lead in lead in front of them to shoot them well crane it's dead on like a turkey you know and when you shoot them so there was so many different things um we saw probably 50,000 cranes um, wow yeah it was it was a great experience it was so loud um it was good to learn about like their eyesight's better than a goose and a duck like there was a lot of things we were had to be really conscientious about like when we filmed took pictures anything like that um learned a lot about them uh learned that there's they're kind of like geese there's a lesser crane there's a greater crane um they talked to us about that um we learned um through Talia that you know the cranes are prehistoric and she gave us all this good information about how old and how long they've been around and all that stuff um because in Kansas if you go out to western Kansas there are sandhill cranes but it's not legal to shoot them here so oh, okay. so it's if you want to experience that you have to go to Oklahoma or Texas and um it was it was great it was it was a good experience for us it also made us realize because we didn't end up like on the cranes we didn't end up limiting out but the experience of learning, because if you've done waterfowl, like you kind of, you know, that there's going to be days that you're not going to limit. Right. There's, you know, it makes you um, appreciate those small limits and the experience you had in building a relationship with people in the blind, because that's what, you know, lots of times people waterfowl or bird hunt because it's a social thing. Yeah. You know, it's not like deer hunting where you have to sit and be super quiet and you know, you can laugh, you can have a good time, you can banter with each other. And I, it was good because it built, let me build some more relationships with other women yeah. because it naturally in my situation, I hang out with all of my husband's best friends, which are all guys. So yeah. it was good to finally meet some other women, um, and get to know other women that enjoy these things like I do, because I maybe have before getting into women of the wild around here, I probably had two or three mm -hmm. girlfriends that wanted to do hunting. Um, so it was good to finally make some connections with people, um, do stuff like that and learn about other people's experiences. Um, and I think that was like, you know, the hunting is a great part of it, but I feel like that connection process and building a relationship with other women is right. the most important when it came to that experience. Yeah, no, I fully agree. I am. Um, so where I live in Little Valley, New York, um, I'm a transplant here. So if mm -hmm. it wasn't for my husband, let me tell you, I would not be a New Yorker at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. But um, I, so I'm here and then I've always worked from home. So like the friends that I have really are my husband's friends, you know, like, yeah. Like now there are some women that I've, I've met through him that I've connected with, but for the most part, they're all like my husband's friends. So mm -hmm. I know how you feel like, you know, now being able to connect with women who are very like-minded like you that, you know, can understand some of the things that you're going through that aren't connected to your husband, you know? And, yeah, and also I think sometimes like, when it's your husband or, or whatnot, like, or his friend, sometimes it's hard to say, like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I, you know what I mean? Like yeah, everybody, yeah. everybody's so experienced and they know what's going on. And I'm still trying to figure out, you know, where I'm supposed to shoot or what I'm supposed to be shooting. So yeah. I think it's, it's awesome that, you know, you, you get into some of these women of the wild experiences where, you know, some of them have never shot anything 
let yeah. alone, you know, what your target animal is. So mm-hmm. to have those experience and and to be able to talk to other women who are who are in the same boat as you mm-hmm. or maybe even who are behind you and you're like, hey, I actually know this. I can mm-hmm. help this person. Like, yeah. like, I think that's that's great. That's awesome. I I love that. And now a short word from our sponsors. Well, you see, trappers are a special breed of people. We're dedicated, committed, and passionate about what we do and who we are. Each and every one of us has an intense desire to be the very best we can. So in a world of skinny jeans, man buns, and pumpkin spice lattes, sometimes you just have to stop, push back, and tell the world, that's not me. Whether you're from the far north or in the deep south and anywhere in between, Southern Snares can help you succeed at getting the job done and being who you are. Girls with Guns Clothing is a proud sponsor of Women of the Wilds podcast. If you're looking for hunting gear, be sure to check out our new fall collection, including the launch of our new Artemis Generation 2 lineup. With Girls with Guns, you know that our gear has been designed and field tested by women who actually hunt and wear this gear. We have an amazing team of women who contribute and share their ideas and extensive field testing so that our gear works for you in multiple hunting environments. We build our gear for women of all shapes and sizes, made by women for women. If you want to try out GWG, you can go to gwgclothing.com and use WILD15 for a discount off of your first order. Share your love of the outdoors with your little ones through the exciting adventures in Dr. Josh Farr's children's books. As an avid sportsman, Dr. Josh Farr has taken his passion for the outdoors and uses his vivid storytelling to teach valuable lessons and appreciation of the world. Learn the alphabet through the ABCs of hunting. Find joy in exploring the outdoors with Let's Go Out and Play and more. You and your child will love learning about nature with Dr. Josh Farr. See all of his books now at drjoshfarr.com. That's D-R-J-O-S-H-F-A-R-R.com. Hey everyone, Andy from ACC Crappie Sticks. I want to tell you about our full line of vertical jigging and live scoping crappie rods. We have from 10 foot to 13 foot in mid seat to rear seat and available in cork and super grip handles to cover all of your vertical fishing and live scoping needs. Go to acccrappiesticks.com. Thank you. We would also like you to check out Sawmill Creek Bait and Lures. RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safaris, Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service, and Hunting Day Podcast. And now back to the podcast. So yeah. what so far is your favorite hunt that you've been mm. on? Um, okay. So my second year of deer hunting was pr- out of all the stories I have. My second year of deer hunting is probably the shortest story ever, but it was the best one I've ever <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. Let's okay, hear it. So, so I have, um, it was my second year. It was, I got my deer tag 24 hours before, um, the weekend we were going to go hunt. Um, it was me, my husband and, um, our best friend Lee. They, we were, I had nothing on camera. It was early season. There was nothing happening. I didn't even have a doe on okay. camera. Let alone a spike. And I had three spots we could hunt. Um, all we were going to split up. I had the food plot where I shot lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a new stand set up on one of the fence, um, one of the borders of our property that the deer traveled down. And then I had a, another spot down by the pond, uh, because it was really hot and we're like, Oh, we'll, we'll try and do this down by the pond and we'll probably get some does or stuff to come in when they're trying to get water. Um, so I had, we kind of were talking and I had told, um, uh, Lee, our friend that, I was going to go hunt the food plot. And I said, you guys can hunt the new spots. You'll probably see more than me. Mm -hmm. And it it was the funniest part of the story is 
our buddy Lee had the worst experience that weekend with us. Um, because before we even went on that hunt, he had broken his finger playing basketball against my little sister um, and didn't even realize it was broke, um, till later on. But it, he had not realize that. Yeah, it was, it was, he's a big guy. He's like six, seven, huge man. Like, so he was like, oh, it really hurts. But he's like, I don't know if I just jammed it, but I think he ended up having like a hairline fracture. Um, but anyway, so we split up. I'm sitting in the food plot. It's about, I've been there about an hour. I had about an hour and a half of legal shooting light left. And I'm, I'm not expecting to see anything. It's 70 degrees out. It's kind of hot. You know, I'm like, well, if I shoot a doe, it'll be kind of a fluke thing. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I look down and there's this buck and he walks in and he's standing there, um, eating some of our mineral and stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that thing is huge. And I granted, this is my second year. I'm awful at identifying deer. I'm awful at figuring out how many points they have. And I haven't had a single deer on camera. So I have no history. Uh And I went ahead and shot and I call Lee and Justin. I'm like, I I just shot a big buck. Like I shot a big one. They're like, how, how big, like how many points? And I was like, I think it's slick 10. And they were like, okay. Went down there, um, ended up not finding blood right off the bat. Um, I had shot him a little back and, you know, second time hunting that comes with bow hunting, you do tend to take some shot placements that you're like, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but I ended up, we ended up finding blood, um, tracked him back. He went to around the point of my parents, went down the other dam ended up backtracking back to the dam. He came across, um, going back to his bedding area and we lost blood and we ended up, you know, they tell you in deer hunting, if you are concerned about the blood, always back out. So we ended up leaving a spot for last blood. One of our best family friends has a blood dog um, named Gibbs that we ended up calling. And we just couldn't get out of this circle. This deer took us in a circle and we just couldn't get out of it. We're like, we don't know where this deer went. And so Gibbs and we ended up going to last blood and Gibbs went about 20 yards. And lo and behold, there's my deer laying there. And the other parts of the story is the night that we were tracking this deer, Lee shocked himself on the bull hot fence. Um, he already broke his finger. He shocked himself on the hot fence. He got scared by an armadillo. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just not a good night for Lee. No. And then when we found, we found my buck, he walks over to it first thing. Well, whenever you're tracking with a blood dog, that dog thinks that deer is theirs. So he touched the deer first and Gibbs ended up grabbing his leg by the pant leg and was like shake them and he and we were like you can't touch the deer he's got to touch the deer first so he got half bit by the dog and (laughs) it was just not a great experience for him and but it was funny because I'm standing there in awe and they're like Megan what did you say you shot I said a slick 10 they're like this deer has 18 points I'm like what (laughs) he's got um he's probably got 20 scorable points, but two of them are a little questionable. And I never had him professionally scored by like a true score. But so we ended up scoring him ourselves and he ended up being around 158 inches, uh, non-typical. Again, I didn't have this deer on camera. He had a unicorn horn coming out the side. He had all the stickers. He had a chocolate rack. And I'm like, second buck I've ever shot. I had my tag 24 hours. It was, it was definitely an interest. I mean, it was short, quick lived. I was done after that. I was like, okay, my deer season's over. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. You, so, so Megan, um, Lockwood's really big into like scoring and all this stuff. You're going to have to like get with her and send measurements and everything like that and see if what you scored was really what it is. Cause that's so cool. Yeah. It was, it was probably, like I said, it was very short lived. I didn't know what I even shot. We still laugh about it today when people come into my house and they look at all the deer on the wall and they're like, wow, that one's really cool. The unicorn horn. And they're like, yeah, that's a slick 10. And they all look at us and we have to tell them the story that my pointer was a slick 10 pointer. So (laughs) 
That's awesome. So, Holy cow. So then what did you do the rest of the season? <laughs> I I went and sat for does when it got a little bit cooler. And other than that, I went maybe sat with Justin a couple times. Um, where he hunts, um, I mean, <laughs> where he hunts is that year we still had permission on some ground in um in the middle of Frontenac. Like it, the little town that I went to school in, there is a bunch of deer ground in there that, that you have to have permission from this one gentleman. And he only let Justin hunt because, um, at the time that Justin got permission, he was having, he has epilepsy. So he was having seizures and he couldn't drive a car. So he literally lived down the block from the property he was hunting. And he, he went in there that year. He ended up shooting, um, a big non-typical buck we called dozer. Um, so that year, it was just like the year of non-typicals for us. We, he ended up shooting this buck that as a three-year-old was a eight pointer with a kicker. And then he grew up into, um, a giant non-typical monster. Like this buck, he'd been hunting him for years and he just exploded into this big deer. And so I went a couple times and sat with him, but lots of times I, you know, would either go to work or go, I was still in college. So I was doing college classes. So yeah. Um, I just found time where I could to go hunt or sit with him. Um, but other than that, I, I literally just hung back and waited until he got done. And then we ended up moving on to duck season. So, yeah. Did at any point you, uh, as he's sitting there and, you know, waiting and waiting, did you ever at any point be like, well, you know, I'm already done. I already did this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I was like, yeah. That, that was, it was great. It was, but it's so short lived. That's the only down. I love early season deer hunting. It's hot. Yeah. People don't like it because of the mosquitoes. Like it's, but it's probably one of my favorite times to hunt because if you catch the deer early enough on a pattern, you can still get a good pattern out of them and have a higher chance of shooting a deer before they end up slipping off and getting territorial. Um, so I enjoy the early season. Um, I got a little burnt out on early season this year because we had a awful drought here oh. and the deer were either staying really close to water. Um, we ended up having a biologist come in from the state because we had a lot of EHD blue tongue. It was just not, it wasn't a good year for the deer here. Um, oh. so I wasn't getting as many mature bucks on camera at all. And so I got a little burnout this season just because I was sitting every weekend, every weekend I had a chance at hunting this one buck that I ended, didn't end up harvesting. And, uh, so it was, I don't know, it was just, it was very, I kind of taught myself maybe this year to slow down a little bit, give myself time, um, maybe through the October lull, take time away from sitting all the time. Um, yeah. So it was good. It was a good experience for me to learn to be patient. So, so um, what is your early season out there? What are your, what do you go from? Um, trying to remember this year, it was like September 15th and then it goes until December 31st. Um, oh, okay. so, I mean, where we, and that's all bow. There's no stop in the season. Um, like in Missouri, it's, um, you can, you can harvest two bucks with a bow, but you have to shoot one before rifle season and you have to shoot one after rifle season. So there's kind of like this pause for yeah. rifle season and we don't have that here. So you can go all the way through, um, with a bow. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's nice. That's awesome. So, all right. Well, um, now that you're part of women of the wild and you see all these, uh, it, exciting hunts and everything else that we do. I got to ask, what is your bucket list hunt? What is something that you are like, dude, I got to do this. I got it. Um, <laughs> so my bucket list hunt would be either doing the Africa hunt with Felicia, or I talked to Felicia and them on the way back from the Sand Hill crane hunt. And I said, I would love to do an axis deer hunt. I, I love axis deer. Their hide is gorgeous. I even told her, I said, I don't, I don't generally want to do it just to get the antlers. Like the hide is really what I would love to have. And I hear they're one of the best eating deer yeah. species um, around. And I'm like, I want to try that. Like, that's what I want to do. So I had told her that if we did an axis hunt, I would 
I would be on board with that a hundred percent. So I'm, I'm not one, like I like the big antlers. I like trying to challenge myself to get the bigger deer, but I, I even told her, I said, I would go for um, a doe. Like <laughs> I would be totally okay with that. So, um, we talked about doing that, um, maybe, maybe being an option one day. So I'm hoping we can get something lined out like that. Yeah. We're going to have to put you on that. You're going to have to be our, go find someone to get us yeah. on this and, and yeah. go get, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So are you going to go to Africa? Not, not this year. We, I talked about it with my husband and we're going to wait it out a little bit. Uh, he's, we kind of do this rotation with each other that, um, because, you know, going on these hunts can be really expensive, not just oh, yeah. not in the middle of the wild, but just going on any guided hunt in general. Right. So we talked about, you know, rotating every year. So since I did crane this year, he would like to go on a spot and stock mule deer hunt. Um, so we've been kind of looking at doing a mule deer um, guided hunt somewhere um, so he could get an opportunity or, or even I could get an opportunity at a free range mule deer. We're not 100% certain where we're going to end up going. Um, Colorado's kind of a bucket list area, but you have to draw for meals yeah. are there they they get big um so we talked about maybe doing something like that one of our buddies has a good connection up in nebraska um i thought about talking with jeff and hannah baron about their experience with the, they go up every year and they go on that hunt in nebraska yeah meal deer and talking to them about their experience with that outfitter um so we kind of just in between and trying to figure out what we want to do but he knows you know I've told him I really would like to one day go do that um I told Felicia I said it's my dream to get um a heart of beast and if you don't know what a heart of beast is it is one of the weirdest looking <laughs> species of uh in Africa and if you if you're listening to this podcast and you look it up you'll probably laugh as to why I want this to be my hit list animal but <laughs> All right. So I, um, I think I have an idea of what it looks like, but I'm going to Google right now. <laughs> Cause they're, they're definitely very odd looking. Um, so I, I told her, I said, I don't care if I do a zebra or anything. I just want a heart of beast. Like that's, that's what I want to go for. All right. There's... Hold on. Wait, you're going to have to. Okay. Hold on. I think I got, I think I got it. Oh, that's not what I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're strange looking. They're but they're beautiful in their own way. And I I don't know. I just that that is what I picture if I go on a safari hunt. I want a heart of beast. Like everybody wants the the kudu, the Gemsbach, you know, all of those. And I'm like, I want the odd one. I want the heart of beast. <laughs> I like the antlers. Those are kind of cool. Like yeah, they're really pretty. I mean, they just have really elongated noses and. I know Felicia was um, telling me some information. She goes there. You should look up like all the cool things about a hard beast. Cause she said she'd be interested in a hard beast too, but. They, um, um they kind of make me think of like Greek mythology. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mean, like, yeah, yeah. what I mean? Like that's what I'm, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> of, of like, they, they definitely have that Greek looking. That's kind of cool. That's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, I um here so here's the thing. I uh I think the Africa thing is super cool. I honestly do. The thing that I hate about it is that mm -hmm. you can't bring any of that meat and stuff back. Like yeah. I mean it's it's great that it goes to like the villages that this it's not wasted, you know, you're mm -hmm. you're providing food to the country and and all like I think that's mm -hmm. all super awesome. I yeah. think that's super, super cool. But my fear is that I'm going to be like, wow, zebra is amazing. And then oh, I can't bring it back. Like, yeah, that's going to yeah, make me exactly. sad. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I told, I told my parents, I was like, I really want to do the Africa hunt one day. And they were like, well, we were, because my parents have been following since I started with women of the wild. They've been very, very invested with the stuff we're doing and stuff. And, um, because my mom, bless her heart, she's a, <laughs> she's she always you know I'll go out and be like I have five doe tags and she goes well you don't have to you don't have to shoot every single one of those 
second. I'm like, <laughs> she's like, save the deer for all of us to see. And I'm like, oh, mom. Um, <laughs> so so she- <laughs> I gotta, I gotta interrupt you for a second. So yeah. when I started trapping, my mother, my mother is like my biggest fan. Like she has every article that's ever been written about me. Anything that's like podcasts, all this stuff. She saves everything. Like my mom has it all. So super, super supportive. Yeah. But I'll put a picture on Facebook and my mom's like, oh, that poor little fox. (laughs) You can't say that stuff. Like, like the people in the trapping community are going to think like you're part of PETA and just rip you apart. I'm like, you can't, can't say those things. You can't say those things. And she'll be like, did you see its eyes? It looks so sad, Linda. I'm like, stop, mom, mom, stop. Yeah, that was, somebody said that to me with geese because geese are, uh, you know, they mate for life. They're they're not like ducks. Ducks are like, oh, I'm with you for a year and then I'm going to go find somewhere right. else. Yeah. Like, I'm bored are like, <laughs> yeah, geese are like, hey, I'm, you know, you're my partner. So it took, whenever somebody told me that, I think, oh, it was Justin, I think my second year of goose hunting. And I told my mom that I was like, yeah, they, they mate for life. So when you shoot one of the spouses, then the other spouses, and she goes, that is so sad. Like, I'm like trying to explain to her why geese hunting is important. And, and because I was like, if you go out into these fields out here and there's 500 geese on it, it destroys the, the ground. They are yeah. like detrimental when, because they travel in giant groups. And she was like, but that she just couldn't get past that. And I, <laughs> it's okay mom like it's fine it's not like they're gonna be sad their whole life or something like <laughs> your mom your mom's gonna open like a support group for yes geese. yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to give my mom a support group about hunting and <laughs> she but she laughs at me because growing up I was never into I wanted to be a veterinarian um so I wanted to get into equine medicine horse equine um and I wanted to do all these cool things because my, my mom's boss is a vet in Canyon Texas and they do horse cloning like they dabble in that and so I wanted to get into that um and so growing up I was always like every animal needs saved uh, you know all that stuff and then but I never educated myself on what hunting really does for animals right. Um, and so I'm kind of going, you know, every time I talk to my mom about it, especially when she was telling me, you know, you don't have to use all your doe tags. I'm like, but mom, if you go out there and you sit with me, you will see that you have a plethora of does. And I said, that can cause disease that can cause overgrazing that, you know, it's just like putting a bunch of cattle and I have to break it down to her like this because she grew up on with cows, like putting a bunch of cattle in a tight space and expecting them to have enough food enough water and to not spread sickness amongst each other so like so I was like deer the same way and so because they try and stay in their range especially those does they're once you know they kind of just stay there yeah you know so trying to explain all that stuff to my mom that you know yeah they could travel wherever they wanted to because they're not like cows they can travel but are they going to not often they're usually going to stay pretty close so um I don't know she's we're, we're getting there. She's, she's super supportive of what I do. She gets excited about it, but we're, we're working our way towards understanding that it, it's, it's okay if I harvest three does a year kind of yeah. thing or whatever. So yeah, it sounds like your mom and my mom need to talk. Like they yeah. gotta, they got to hold hands and, and skip through the, the flowers yeah. together. And it's, yes. it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. That's my funny. dad, my dad's definitely, you know, my dad understands understands it because he did a little bit of hunting for college yeah. just for fun but he's excited about that you know I I grew up with a twin sister my whole my whole life and I've we've always had the same interests but now that we're older like I've kind of gone my direction with life and she's going her direction and I've kind of started standing out in a different way because yeah. when you grow up with a twin you're your whole life you want to compare yourself to each other and you want to do everything and do it better than the other person and um so it was nice getting to be involved in hunting because it kind of let me be be me instead of be the twins you know so yeah yeah that's awesome Mm -hmm. that's that's super cool too though that you are making a stand to educate people 
Like, mm-hmm. like that was the thing for me. So um, when I got into trapping, my best friend at the time was like extremely liberal. And mm-hmm. so like it was when I told her about like the whole trapping thing, like I saw like every PETA video out there. She was like, oh, no, we can't do this. Um, but I don't think that there's there's not a lot of people out there that are willing to step back and mm-hmm. say like, oh, maybe I need to investigate this a little bit more, you know, but then whenever they have somebody like you who's who this wasn't something you had done all your life, you know, and now you're getting into this. I think those things kind of like stop people and take notice mm-hmm. like wait a minute, why is Megan doing this all of a sudden? Mm -hmm. Where did this come from? What's happening? You know, and they ask more questions. And I think that's awesome because right now, you know, like even with, um, I don't know, like Canadian goose, have you ever, um, they have those, those coats that have like the, um, the coyote fur on there. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so they were huge, huge, huge. And PETA actually bought big shares so that they could stop them from doing that. Like people mm-hmm. don't know these things, you know? Yeah. And like, so PETA always is constantly like out there, you know, like, what can we do here? What can we do here? What can we do here to like pick this stuff off? And I think it's great. Like now, especially with social media, seeing women like yourself and, and me and other people out there, like, Hey, no, we're going to start doing this. And this mm-hmm. is why we're doing it. And this is what mm-hmm. it's benefiting. And, you know, like, like you're, you just talking about the deer a couple minutes ago. Yeah. They could range anywhere they want, but are they going to probably not, you Mm -hmm. know, and people don't think of those things, you know, they hear like, well, they're free range deer. They can just go Mm -hmm. anywhere, you know, I, Mm -hmm. and understanding those patterns and things like that. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome that you're, you're willing to give that education to people that you're willing to say these things you're willing to be out there um i'm glad that you're part of women of the wild um i i've gotten it's opened my eyes you know since we've had uh, more people like joining the team like it's so neat to see how someone in kansas does something different than how i do it in new york and you know but that we all have the same common interests that we mm-hmm. all want to like build on each other and everything. I think that's fantastic. Well, that's a prime example is I'm trying to convince Felicia to come down and turkey hunt with me because up in Michigan, it's illegal to turkey breed. Well, here in Kansas, it's legal. And so I'm trying to convince she, she's talked about that's a dream thing for her. And I'm like, you know, we do that all the time, <laughs> you know? So I told her, I said, why don't you come down and we will teach you how to turkey reap. And she goes, she goes, I, I just, I would love to do it. And then she goes, and then at one point I'd like to go out there and turkey reef and just try and fight them. And I'm like, well, I can get you set up with that too. So I'll stick you in a field of jakes and you can go after it. <laughs> like, you probably need to wear more clothes if you're going to do that. Uh, lots of long sleeves. Cause it's like, they still got spurs. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's very interested in that. And, uh, you know, she does so much, you know, she's so diverse and the things that she does and she just told me I'd like to turkey reap and I'm like you've never done that before like so those things that I would have thought she had already experienced she hadn't experienced I'm right. like, well, come on down like I will <laughs> we can do that like I will take you um so it we're gonna give it a shot I think this year and get her on a new experience that she hadn't hasn't done before so um it's good to you know get even people that are so educated you know yeah there's things that they haven't done before. So it's good to get them out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're coming on our hour. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I try to keep these, keep these to an hour, but is there anything that before we sign off that you'd like people to know about you, maybe a story that we hadn't touched on or anything that you want to put out there so that whenever you're PRing one of our events or whatever, you know, people are like, Oh, Hey, that's Megan. And, and mm-hmm. I, I heard her podcast or anything like that. Is there anything you want to share before we sign up? Um, I mean, not a whole lot. I'm, I definitely am one of those that if you ever have a question, um, so I'm a psychologist. So every question to me is a valid question. And I think I'm probably one of those people that is the most, you know, I'm very approachable and I really want people to, you know, take the time 
you want to talk to me, if you want to have a question or a com if you have a question, want to have a conversation, I I'll sit down and talk with you and I will listen to those things that you want to talk about. Um, I, one of my biggest things is, you know, growing social media now and stuff like that. You know, I've got featured on the outdoor channel. I'm starting to, you know, kind of grow, you know, something I tell my friends and even my husband is I didn't get into this industry to become famous and I don't want to be like, I, all I want to be is a safe place for somebody to come ask questions and try and learn because I, you know, I got that opportunity and that's something I would like, to, I would love to give other people opportunities for that. Um, and I think it's important to get out there and, you know, no matter how many followers you have or whatever you got, you know, to continue to be that person that anybody feels like they can approach you and ask you questions. Because to me, no questions, no question. Um, and I think that's important for anybody who's going to do events with me and stuff like that. Like, I want to be that person. If you have a, a question you want to ask, whether that's through social media or on the events, I will talk to you. Like I'm educate me because there are things that I, I don't know, right. You know, I'm still learning things. So I, I, like I said, I didn't want to get into all this for the fame or the build the followers. Like that's not how I, I, I started doing this because I enjoy getting to know others, getting to know their passions and also keep on educating and letting other women know, like you can do it too. Like you can build your followers. If that's what you want to do, if you want to educate yourself, great, let's do it. You know, let's do it together. So, yeah. yep. So that's, yeah. I just want people to be comfortable with me. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know what? I got to say, like, you know, like I said, you're new to the team. So we haven't had a lot of interaction as I'd like, you know, up until mm -hmm. now. And any conversation I've ever had with you, any little chats or whatnot, it's always been easy. It's always been a nice, easy conversation. Even this right here, you know? Um, so that's that's awesome. And, and I think people need to know that, you know, ask her questions. If you're if you see her out there, say hi, get to know each other a little bit better. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with us. Um and have a great Saturday afternoon. Yeah, thank you, Linda. Thanks. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. <laughs> and that concludes this episode of Women of the Wild podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions or would like to check out our website, it is www.womenofthewild.net. We post different events and everything that we've got going on. We would really like to also thank our sponsors, ACC Crappie Sticks, Girls with Guns, Southern Snare, Sawmill Creek Baits and Lures, RMC Custom Calls, Atlantic Coral Enterprise, Blast and Cast Guide Service, Epler Fur, Feather Moon Calls, Shangalaya Safari, Dr. Josh Farr Children's Books, and Shelly Emmer with Dirty Girl Guide Service. Thank you all and hope that you tune in in two weeks for our next episode.